Week two of the London attack trial in Windsor starts today. Nathaniel Veltman is accused of deliberately hitting five members of the Offsall family with his truck while they were out for a walk in London two years ago. The 22-year-old has pleaded not guilty to four counts of first-degree murder, one count of attempted murder. Now, prosecutors have alleged his actions in June of 2021 amount to an act of terrorism. They have argued he was motivated by white nationalist beliefs. Last week, jurors watched a video of Veltman telling a detective he hesitated before carrying out his attack, but decided to, quote, get it over with hoping to inspire other young white men to target Muslims. So I want to uh, talk about this first week of the trial because a lot happened. Uh, To do that, we are joined by Nick Cake, prosecutor turned defense lawyer at Cake Criminal Defense. Uh, Nick, appreciate the time today. Good morning, Devin. What do you make of the uh, first week of this trial? Uh, Quite interesting. I mean, to watch um, Mr. Veltman from basically start to finish, that is to say, to to watch the truck driving down Hyde Park, then to watch the arrest at Cherry Hill Mall, and then uh, Mr. Hicks, his defense lawyer, wanted the jury to watch his progression through the London police uh, booking and headquarters from start to finish. So from standing in front of that booking sergeant to the time spent in, in the cell, to the lawyer room where he could speak with counsel on the telephone in private, then back to a cell, and then into the uh, interrogation room or the interview room uh, with the detective. And I'm sure that that's the first time that the jury has seen a behind-the-scenes look at what happens. And I think that that is, is going to come into play eventually. There's a, a strategy to having the jury watch everything that's transpired. And I think the most interesting part of this is the fact that Mr. Veltman sits down in front of that detective and and spews hate and ignorance and admits to doing what he was doing. But then, as I understand, there's a second interview with the detective sometime later, and it's that Mr. Veltman that presents very differently, more calm, more subdued. Uh, I, I don't. Of course, I haven't been at the trial. I haven't read the file. I'm not involved in the case any more than speaking uh, with you, but seems to be uh, even even somewhat remorseful i I don't know we're we're going to we're going to find out what do you think the defense strategy is on this because so far uh it seems uh you know the evidence presented so far seems to be overwhelming well i mean justice pomerantz did issue a caution to the jury there when we heard mr veltman talking about you know, this was terrorism, and, and her caution was, was right and, and appropriate and prompt at that point, wherein she said, you know, just because this individual says it's terrorism doesn't make it terrorism. The Crown still has the burden to essentially prove those words. So I think there's still a number of defenses up in the air. The agreed statement of fact, although it illustrates the fact of what happened on that street corner, that that horrible, tragic event, it doesn't necessarily prove intent, perhaps. And then when you have the words spoken by Mr. Veltman, well, that doesn't necessarily prove terrorism. Plus, you have the fact 
and, and I anticipate we're going to hear this, and I, I, I gleaned this from a McLean's Magazine article back in uh, 2022, but you have the fact that Mr. Veltman was, was using magic mushrooms to an extreme uh, level and had fallen down that rabbit hole of you know, the dark web as we hear it or, or just all of that fake news that was on the internet that still is on the internet, but that was very much on the internet back uh, during the pandemic. And, and so there's a potential for a, a not criminally responsible defense here. We talked in advance of this, you know, how, you know, the, there is a, a high burden on the prosecution in terms of proving that motive with the terrorism angle. Uh, you know, I'm just it's been uh, an interesting first week. What does the prosecution have to do when you have the defendant calling it terrorism? I know you, you mentioned the, the caution that was issued. So what does the prosecution need to do to really prove that, do you think? Well, first, you know, maybe thank Mr. Veltman for kind of rolling that ball down the hill, and then they need to continue rolling it down. It may not be uh, a very hard thing to do. They need to look at who Mr. Veltman was, right? There's warrants for his devices, his computers, phones, whatever. Um, They need to look and to see, okay, what was this guy watching? What was he affiliating himself with? What did he say to his friends at the egg processing plant? What did he say to his spiritual leaders, if any? What spiritual groups did he belong to or, or align himself in? What political affiliations did he have? Essentially, when you're going to prove motive, you have to look at the, you have, you have to peel back that onion, right? And look at who or sorry, what made that person. And so that's what the Crown has to do. They have to say, you know, this person did this because this is the ideology that he held. This is the message that he wants to send. And I think I had read somewhere from last week that during his police interview, Mr. Veltman did say that he wanted to send a message that there would be more of this if, you know, Muslim on white people crime didn't stop his words, of course, not mine. One of the questions I've had people ask me is, how is this going to last eight weeks given the first week of testimony just can, had so much packed into it? Is, just, is that because do you think there is just so much evidence and the argument still has to come from the defense, of course, but... Uh, when you look at this, do you think this is going to go eight weeks or is, or is that just an, uh, an indication of just how much evidence there might be or how much uh, legal discussion there has to be given the complexity of the case? I think it's probably both, Devin. You have to keep in mind as well that we've got the Thanksgiving holiday in there. You know, there's, there's going to be days that there's going to be longer breaks needed. The court time estimate always takes into account the fact that there may be legal issues that come up, whether it be admissibility of evidence or, or what have you, that the lawyers need to argue in the absence of the jury. And I think also what you want to do when you're when you have such a serious matter, of course, you want to provide closure to the family. You want to provide closure to the community. And you also have the jurors who want to get back to their daily life. It, it's better to err on the side of caution and say it'll take eight, but then it takes six, because on week nine, after that trial is done, her honor has something else to do because there's more trials in the hopper. 
So it may not take the amount of time, but they have that amount of time. But in the same sense, if the defense is going to be one of uh, not criminally responsible, that's a heavy burden for the defense to prove. The, the onus shifts now. And the defense now has the burden to say, I wasn't, you know, to, to put it bluntly, I wasn't sound. I wasn't of right mind. I didn't understand the nature or the consequences of my actions. And that's a, a very, very large boulder to push up a very steep hill. We will follow with interest. And Nick, as always, I appreciate the time and the perspective. No problem, Devin. Always a pleasure uh, joining you. That's a Nick Cake. Uh, from a Cake Criminal Defense Prosecutor turned Defense Lawyer. Appreciate his uh, thoughts on this. We'll uh, reach out to him again.